We're so glad you've chosen the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast today. Up next in the series are the brand new sessions from the 2020 Refresh Pastors Conference hosted each year at the Benedict Castle in Riverside. Our third session is from TCSC Executive Director Ron Brown, and the title of his message is Experiencing God. Be encouraged today. The Lord says that he makes his ministers a flame of fire, and we have certainly seen the fire of God on Brother Wilkerson today. Amen. So thank you for the fire of God that has been brought to our hearts to ignite us, to encourage us, to stir us, and and to push us on. Amen. And uh, I, I like the boldness that he was proclaiming there. Then he's like, no, we ain't going to let you walk out of here with your head hung down. In the name of Jesus. I thought about Ezekiel prophesying to those dry bones and said, no bones, you getting up. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You're going to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. So tell your bones that they're going to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. They're not going to stop short in Jesus' name. Uh, but I've been so blessed by the rich word of the Lord that we've been hearing. At the beginning of the year, one of the things that the Lord put in my heart for, for the church and for really for all of us individually and corporately is that we need to enter into more of a time of experiencing God uh, rather than just talking about him. And when we experience him, and, and that, that's really what Pastor Gary was talking about today, the, the man experienced Jesus when he was on that mat. That if we experience God as much as we talk about him, there will be more of a refreshing and more of a strength and a glory on the work that we do. Um, because experiencing God requires our participation in our activity of giving ourselves to him, uh, especially in times of corporate worship and also in worship when we are alone. But experiencing God, I think, is one of the greatest needs in the body of Christ today uh, because we can go in and we can sing some songs and and we can hear a message and then we can walk out and not have really experienced the touch of God on our lives. Uh, and I want to encourage us, don't settle. And that's really what I heard from the message about the, uh, the oil is don't settle. Don't, don't limit what God would do. And let's not settle for anything less than the fullness of God in our lives. And it's something that we have to contend for. It's something that we have to fight for. It's something that we have to wait for. Is something we have to press in uh, and, and, and really yearn for. Do we yearn for his touch? Do we yearn to experience the Lord? Because I find that the more I experience him, the more I have peace in the midst of the storm. The more I'm experiencing his love in my life, the more I'm able to deal with situations that come up from time to time that we have no control over. So I want to encourage you to really contend for experiencing God more than just talking about him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Amen. George, uh, the Bonner Institute, they did a state of the church for 2020. And a couple of things I just want to mention that uh, were in that survey. 72% of the pastors who responded said that the impact of the watered-down gospel teaching in Christianity in the U.S. is one of the things that they were most concerned about. 
A second one was another major concern was the Christianity uh, culture is shifting to a secular age. I think we're all aware of that. You know, when I look at that, I don't necessarily see that as a negative. <laughs> I see that as a positive because now the light can shine even brighter. You know, I think about it, I don't think it was any more secular than Ephesus when the Apostle Paul went there. So, so what do we expect? It's the world. And so it's, it's something for us to be aware of, but I don't think overly concerned. Because if we're preaching the gospel, if we're experiencing the gospel, and if the power of God is manifest in what we're doing, it will find its way to push back the culture. Another concern was poor discipleship models that pastors were concerned about and, and then addressing complex social issues with biblical integrity. Those were the general concerns that pastors in this survey and, and that came out in January mentioned. Then when they drill down and say, what are you concerned about in your own church? The two top things were being able to reach a younger audience, that we don't reach young people. And the second one was declining or inconsistent outreach and evangelism. And as I looked at that, I thought, well, if we're experiencing more of God and he's evident in what we're doing, it will be attractive to people, as Gary was talking about, when Jesus went in and he began to teach and demonstrate and manifest the kingdom of God and the crush of the crowd all around the building where he was preaching was so great because there was something happening. Amen. <laughs> there was something going on that attracted people and I believe there were young and old people there there, everybody was there that wanted a touch from Jesus because they knew that Jesus was touching people in that place. Jesus wants to touch people in all of our places that we are. A second concern when pastors answered what was the concern in their own local church, uh, it was a declining and inconsistent outreach and evangelism. When we're filled with the power and presence of God, we can't help but speak of the good things that he's doing. Hallelujah. We can't keep it to ourselves. If it's real and if it's active and it's powerful in our own lives, then we will share it. And if the people that are in the church, that are in our congregations, are filled with the power of God, they will evangelize. They will do outreach. They won't be able to help it. Hallelujah. I remember when I was 16 and I gave my heart to the Lord when I was nine and I grew up in the church and when I was 16 I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I remember I was so passionate to tell people about Jesus I couldn't stop myself. I told all my teachers, I, was in a, I wasn't in a Christian school, <laughs> but I told my English teacher, my history teacher, my math teacher, I said, do you know Jesus? You got to meet Jesus. Do you know him? They looked at me like I had lost my mind. I told the principal, the assistant principal. I even went down to the school board and told some of the people on the school board, do you know Jesus? 
I said, let me tell you what he did for me. He saved my life. I'm changed. Glory to God. And they go, oh, that's all right. Brown, that's your name? <laughs> Amen. But I remember I couldn't help but tell everybody about Jesus. Nobody told me in an evangelism class to go share my faith. Nobody in the church told me, well, you know, now that God has touched your life and he's forgiven you of your sins and, and he's filled you to overflowing with his presence, you need to go let somebody know I couldn't help myself. I wanted to tell everybody I saw, told everybody on the school bus. We live way out in the country, so it was 25 miles one way to get to our little school. So we were on that bus a long time, <laughs> stopping at all of them stops along the way. And everybody in there knew that this crazy guy named Ron Brown was going to tell you about Jesus if you get close to him. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was voted in my senior year of high school yearbook most likely to become a preacher. Well, <laughs> well praise God. <laughs> Amen. That wasn't what I thought. Uh, you know, I, I went to college for something different, but, but God had this in mind, and I guess the kids at the school knew more than I did <laughs> because that's what they all signed in the yearbook. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> but when we're filled with his presence and we're filled with the joy of the Lord, it bubbles up and flows out and touches everything and everybody around us. And so if we preach the gospel and we don't water it down as this concern was with the, the pastors and try to make people feel comfortable because the only thing that can comfort people is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to send you another comforter. And so making messages that are palatable to people to come in never brings them comfort. The only way that they will receive comfort is when the Holy Spirit comes and fills them and forgives them and dwells in them, then they will be comforted by the power of the Spirit of God. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives individually. We need the Holy Spirit in our churches. We need our Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in Teen Challenge. In everything that we do, we need the power and presence of the Holy Spirit because he is the one who brings life. He's the one who brings vitality. He's the one who brings strength. He's the one who brings hope. And that's what the world is looking for and needing now more than ever. We can put together some great sermons, but if we don't ever experience God in our lives, there's not a whole lot of life that will go forth that will last when we're going through all of those trials and the fears and all of those things when we're walking the floor at night. But when the Holy Spirit shows up, he brings comfort. He brings hope. He brings help. The scripture that I read earlier from Psalm 133 about the power of unity. I think many times when we come together as a body of believers, we have individual worship, but we don't really ever too much enter into corporate worship. Everybody is like an individual in a silo and they're singing their song and they're getting their worship experience. But if we worship in a corporate way, I believe there would be more of the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit would begin to minister to us and put on our heart our brother and our sister that is sitting around us 
that are facing a difficult challenge. And there might be a word of hope. Paul said, when you come, bring a word, bring a song, bring something with you. Amen. And corporate worship brings that dynamic so that there's room for us to give what we bring. But I think many times everybody comes to get something and don't bring a whole lot with us. But what if we change the paradigm of the way we raise people up, that we prepare them to go out rather than to stay? And really, that's what I believe the fivefold ministry is about in Ephesians 4.11, the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teachers, is so that we can minister to people so that they are edified and strengthened, raised up, and then sent out. But if we don't ever challenge people to go out, they'll just stay right there in that seat, and they will hold on for dear life, and you better not move that seat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because that's my seat I've been sitting in for a long time. That's the problem. It's time for you to get out of your seat and get on your feet. Get up off your mat. Amen. Some of us have taken our seat in the church as a mat. And it's time for us to get off that mat and stand up and go tell somebody about Jesus that you've experienced. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I really believe that it's time for us to start encouraging our people to go out. I think sometimes we're afraid that we might lose them. Well, praise God. We lose them to the purposes of God. Let them go. God will send somebody else. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Because we don't own anything. We're just stewards of the, of the kingdom of God. So those folks don't belong to us anyhow. Amen. They belong to Jesus. <laughs> Amen. I learned that long time ago when I first started doing this kind of work that I do at Teen Challenge. I was working at another ministry on Skid Row, and we had a 12-month program similar to Teen Challenge. I think they probably copied everything Teen Challenge does. As a matter of fact, they admit they did. Um, <laughs> amen. <laughs> because Teen Challenge was a gold standard on how to do discipleship ministry for people getting off drugs. Um, and I remember I got discouraged one day because a brother that I had been ministering to and working with had left the program and had kind of gone back out on the street and I was very discouraged and it was time to do the chapel service and I'm sitting there going like, Lord, I can't preach. I'm discouraged. This brother I've been working with and now he's back out here drinking. Oh my, it ain't working. I mean, anybody ever been there? <laughs> and I was just really discouraged and I was... I was standing in the back of the chapel and all the students were facing front waiting for me to come down to give the word of the day. And I'm like, I need a word of the day. <laughs> I was like, I ain't got nothing to say to these fellas today. I need them to give me a word. And I remember I went down to the front and, and I sat down at the piano and I was just I said, well, I'll play something that'll cheer me up and make me feel better and then maybe I'll be able to speak. <laughs> Nobody's ever done anything like that, I know. Um, <laughs> hallelujah and so I sat down and I started playing some music and all of a sudden I really felt the presence of God come into the room and, and it was like in my mind I felt like Jesus was coming right down the center aisle and he was coming to the piano where I was uh, in my sanctified imagination and, and so I'm waxing eloquent in my song and playing the keyboard and, and it was almost in my mind I felt like he leaned on the piano and was just looking at me and I said, Lord, I, I sense you're here. And he said, what are you doing? Hello. 
singing is what I'm thinking to myself. But when God asks a question, it's not because he's looking for information, but <laughs> it's because he has something to say. <laughs> and he said, these are not your sheep. They're mine. He didn't come on and go, there, there, I know how you feel. No, no. Mm -mm. He reminded me that he's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. We're not. He's the great shepherd. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, these are not your sheep, they're mine. And don't you ever forget it. I tell you, I started singing more and crying, and the students thought I had lost my mind. They didn't know what was going on. I'm just having, this is all just between me and God. I got up, and I just preached the fire. I was like, they was like, man, <laughs> I was running up and down the aisles, shouting, and they was like, oh, Reverend Brown, you feeling all right today, huh? <laughs> I'm like, if you only knew. <laughs> I just got rebuked, <laughs> hallelujah, and it set me free, amen, <laughs> hallelujah, <laughs> glory to God. And I never forgot that. My passion and my desire has not changed. Anybody that I see go back on drugs, it breaks my heart. 130 people die every day from drug overdose. It breaks my heart every time I hear that someone has gone back. But I never forget that they are not mine. They belong to him. And if I can get them to Jesus on that mat and get them into his presence, then he will give them what they need to be able to stand back up again. Amen. Glory be to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let us remember as we're serving and as we're giving our lives away in service to the king that God wants us to be filled with his joy, with his presence, with his peace. And he wants us to have the right perspective about our role in the whole matter. <laughs> Hallelujah. Moses was called the most humble man on the face of the earth and the word humility come from a I think it's a Latin word, hummus, where we get the word human, human from. So if you're human, you have humility because you recognize you're not God, that you're a human being. <laughs> Moses recognized that he was not God. And he never lost the awe and wonder of God. And that's really what my message in these next couple of minutes that we have together is don't lose your awe and wonder of God. Never lose your awe and wonder of God. Because if we lose our awe and wonder of who he is, then we will take on a persona and a role that is not ours and it will weigh us down. It will burden us and would, it will give us heavy yokes that we were not meant to carry. That's why Jesus says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for us. But what happens many times when we lose the awe and wonder of who he is, then we get into a place that we become too familiar with his, 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 his ways and the way that he does things 
that we start taking on credit that doesn't belong to us. In the New Living Translation, Exodus 33, verse 13, says, if it is true that you look favorably on me, Moses said, let me know your ways so I may understand more fully and continue to enjoy your favor and remember that this nation is your very own people. If you look favorably on me, Lord, I want to know your ways. I want to understand so that I can walk out this call that you have given to me, Moses was saying. And I want to continue to live in your favor, God. But I don't ever want to forget that these people are yours and they're not mine. <laughs> that this nation, these people are your own. In Psalm 103 verse 7 says, He has made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. What are God's ways? God's ways are his laws, his principles on how he does everything, his method of doing things. Moses, God used to write the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. He understood more about God's ways than I think we do now. <laughs> I mean, he's the one that wrote in Genesis that God's way of redeeming mankind was there was going to be a son born in Genesis 3.15. Moses wrote that. So he understood God's ways of redemption. He understood God's ways of worship as God took him up on Mount Sinai and began to speak to him about how to train the people and lead them in worship. So he was trained more than any of us close in fellowship, in the glory of God, seeing him face to face. Yet he said, Lord, show me your ways. Teach me your statutes. Because he never allowed himself to get so familiar with what he knew about God that he lose, would lose the awe and wonder and majesty of who he is. Sometimes the more we know, the more we move away from him. But the more that Moses knew, the more it drew him closer to God because he recognized as much as he knew about God and as he, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote all of these divine stories about how God dealt with Joseph and how God dealt with Abraham and how all of these things, I mean, he, he saw all of these things and he could see the principles of how God worked and how important the altar of prayer is and how important it is that we teach our children so that the generations don't lose uh, uh, their understanding of God and how to, to, how to have a family together and how to treat your neighbor, the Ten Commandments, all of these things he understood about the law of God and the principles of God, yet he would still say, God, I'm not moving until you go with me. I, I, I need to know that you're with me. I, I don't want to be so familiar with this thing that I take off on my own and I begin to implement things because of my understanding and because of my experience. I want to rely on the leadership of your Holy Spirit. Don't lose the awe and the wonder of who God is. It's so easy for us to do that because People are depending on you. 
They're looking for you to show up with a fresh word. <laughs> They're looking for you to show up with some, some oomph, some power, something. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Teach. Give me one of them sermons, preachers. Sing me one of them songs. Do something. Make something happen. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hey. And if we're not careful, we will step into that arena and we will begin to do things out of our experience and out of our understanding of how God has dealt with us. And we don't even know that we've moved so far that we're no longer aligned. And then we wake up one day and say, Lord, where did you go? And he said, I didn't go anywhere. I'm still here. Don't lose the awe and the majesty of who God is. Hallelujah. God reveals himself through his acts. He reveals himself through his mercy. He reveals himself in his ways through his justice. He reveals himself through his gracious nature. He reveals himself through his providence. He reveals himself through his miracles. Helps us to understand his ways. Only when we have knowledge of God's eternal principles as they are operating in us currently do we have anything to give to anyone else. Hallelujah. If we're giving out of our experience and there's nothing going on currently, we might want to be silent for a minute until we are able to get back in contact with headquarters. And I'm talking about Jesus. <laughs> I'm talking, that's the headquarters, y'all. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. It's not in Springfield. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> or some of the other places. Amen. Hallelujah. Headquarters is in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to make sure that we stay aligned with him. Amen. <laughs> when John the Baptist sent some of his people to ask Jesus, you know, are you the one or should we look for another? Jesus said, go and tell John the things that you have heard and the things that you have seen. In other words, John, the revival is going really good. God is still present. Jesus is the Messiah. The kingdom of God is manifesting on earth as it is in heaven. Go and tell him about these awesome things that you have seen and heard. Have you seen anything awesome lately? Have you heard anything from headquarters awesome lately that you can tell somebody about? Hallelujah. Because if God is giving you peace for your mind when you felt like giving up, you have something to share. If he's increased your faith when you were just about to let go of the plow and you didn't let go, you have something to share. Hallelujah. If you feel like, I can't make it, but you show up next Sunday, you got something to share. Hallelujah. If you're at the end of yourself, in your own relationships with the people who are closest to you, your family, your children, there are things that are going wrong and yet and still you can stand one more time and declare, Jesus loves you. Jesus has an answer for your issue. He's your redeemer. He's your baptizer. 
You're giving out of the comfort that you have received. And as you receive comfort, you have something to give to others. We can only comfort out of what we have received from the Lord. We can't allow what I call the sin of familiarity to rob us of the awe and the majesty of who God is. I just wonder, uh, Gary, as the woman was pouring the oil, you know, she was, her husband was a prophet. She was raised among the prophets, so she knew how this thing worked to some degree, <laughs> you know, that if the prophet Elijah told you to go and borrow some vessels, then that, something's, going, something's getting ready to kick off up in here. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Something is going to happen. Amen. Now, she may not have known exactly how it all was going to come out, but she knew something was going to happen because she'd been around this thing for a while. But I think if we're around this thing for a while, we can stop short because we want to manage people's expectations. And sometimes we want to manage our own expectations because we don't want to get so far out on the limb. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> that it's going to require more of us than we're really willing to give. But if we have the awe and the wonder of who God is, we should be on the edge of expectation. I wonder what God is going to do with this one. Praise God. I wonder how God's going to meet this need. I wonder how God's going to heal this person that's got a bad report from the doctor. I wonder how God's going to do it. And then when God does it in his own way, wow. Wow, don't ever forget. I mean, you should shout the house down. Amen. Maybe your tradition ain't running and shouting, but you might want to get a little running and shouting going on. Amen. Because you don't want to lose the awe and the wonder of God. Wow. Well, yeah, I, I expect him to show up. I knew he was going to show up. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. I think we know a little too much. Isaiah 48, verse 6 and 7 in the Amplified says, you have heard these things foretold. Look at all this that has been fulfilled. You see all these things that God has done. And you, will you not declare it? Any other, will you not declare what God has done? Look what he's fulfilled. Will you not declare it? Will you not proclaim the awe and wonder? Tell John the things that you have seen and heard. He says, but I proclaim to you specific new things from this time, even hidden things which you have not known. They are created now, called into being by the prophetic word. And not long ago, and before today, you have not heard them so that you will not say, oh yes, I already knew that. What is Isaiah saying here? He says, you see God fulfilling things in your midst he says, don't forget to declare and give God praise and to give him glory for what he has done. He has done great things. Hallelujah. He saved my parents. He saved my children. He healed my body. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He helped us to make it to the end of the month and still got a little bit left over. Glory to God. Look what God has done. 
Because God will create miracles in the moment for the specific things that we need if we continue to believe in him, if we continue to press in, if we continue to not settle for limitation and allow him to fill us to the fullness of who he is because we don't lose the awe and wonder of who he is. He says, I proclaim to you specific, specified new things. In other words, God will meet you right where your issue is. Amen. Hallelujah. God doesn't just talk in generalities, but he will meet you specifically where you are, and he'll tell you, go down this street, turn over here, do this, and this is what I'm going to do. He wants us to be in that place that he can trust us with receiving that kind of direction from us. And that's what Moses was saying when he was saying, teach me your ways and show me your paths. He wasn't saying, give it all to me in a script and then I'll go. But he says, teach me how to calm my anxious heart. Teach me how not to give in to the fears of the people that I'm leading. Teach me how not to stand in shoes that are not mine. Hallelujah. But Lord, lead me step by step so that I'm walking in present time with you, walking in the spirit. So that I do not fulfill the lust of my flesh. He says they are created now. They are called into being by the prophetic word. And it wasn't something that happened long ago. And it was, some, it was not something that even happened before today. But in this moment, I speak it into being. Do you believe that God still speaks today? Yes. Hallelujah. God still speaks. There's some people that believe, well, you know, he spoke 66 books and so he spoke in the Bible and that's, that's enough. It, it, it truly is uh, enough. But I want you to know that God delights in still speaking today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he wants to lead us step by step, moment by moment. This is how we learn his ways. He doesn't do the same thing the same way every time. <laughs> he has different methodology. Amen. And we have to wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings as eagles. They're running, not grow weary. They're walking, not faint. Are we waiting on the Lord to move? Or are we just taking a, a, a poll or a, a, a consensus of what we understand about how he did it before and then expecting him to do it that way? And then when he doesn't, we say he didn't show up and left us abandoned. He wants us to learn how to walk in step with him. I was in Romania a few years ago, and they took me to a man who was on, it was a mattress. It wasn't a mat, but they said, there's a brother in a house who's paralyzed, and we want you to come and minister to him. So they took me to the house, and he was in the living room, and his wife was taking care of him, and the kids were waiting on him hand and foot. <laughs> Really, it's like you described the scene so well, Gary. <laughs> and, um, and so the man was on the mat in the living room, and the Lord said, sit on the mat. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> man full of faith. Hallelujah. Because there was some serious stains on that mattress. <laughs> and I said, okay, Lord. So I sat on the mat. And, and so through the interpreter, I just started asking him about his life and what happened. And he was, he was a healthy man. He was in his 30s. He had two young children. And um, he developed some kind of 
degenerative disease where he lost his ability to walk and then he lost his ability to use his arms and he was totally quadriplegic and, um, and now his family was taking care of him. And so the pastor who took me there, he was kind of fellowshipping with part of the family and I had the interpreter with me just kind of listening to this uh, man's story because he could still talk. And I said, okay, Lord, what do you want to do here? It's like, okay, it'd be great to say, pick up your bed and your mattress and walk, but that ain't what God said to me, okay? <laughs> so I'm not going to tell this brother to do that if the Holy Spirit ain't said it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> he told me to sit on the mat. Amen. <laughs> I'm like, Hallelujah. He, he did not tell me to tell this man to pick up his mat. He said, you sit on the mat with him, okay? Like I said, God don't do it the same way every time, amen? So I sat on the mat, amen? And so I just began to pray, and it's just like, okay, God, what do you want to do? And then, he, then all of a sudden, I just heard it just so clearly. He said, I'm going to heal this man. I said, ooh, thank you, Lord. I said, glory to God. And I thought that's all I was supposed to say. God's going to heal you, and then I could leave. And he said, he said, I'm going to tell you how I will do it. In, in the moment, right? In, about in real time, I'm talking about things that are brought, brought forth by his prophetic word not long ago and not before today, but in this moment, you're going to hear them. He said in six months, he will regain his ability to walk, but he's going to limp on the left side. And he'll be able to go back to work. And six months after that, he will not limp anymore, but he will walk straight. Tell him that now. And I said, okay. So through the interpreter, I said, brother, you're going to walk again. And so he teared up and just began to weep. And I said, you know, six months from now, God is going to do this. And, and I told him the word and I left. I went back to that same city about two and a half years later. I did not recognize him. He was in church sitting on the front row with his family. And I went to preach at this church uh, down near Constanza. And the pastor said, you know who that brother is? I said, no, I've never seen him before. He said, oh, yeah, you have. <laughs> I said, yeah, tell me. He said, remember the mattress? I went, oh. <laughs> he said, it happened just as you said. He said, he limped for a while, for several months. And he said, that he doesn't limp anymore. I said, he, he said, he's my best dancer in the church. And so the, the brother danced during worship time. God totally healed him and restored him and got him off of his mat. Awe and wonder. I was like totally in awe. I went, wow, praise God. I was in awe of what God did in this man's life. Totally restored him and gave him back to his family. And he, now he's worshiping God and serving him and magnifying him. Never lose the awe and wonder of who God is. And don't try to predict what he will do. <laughs> but keep listening. In Romans 12, he says, ministers, wait on your ministry. Those who prophesy, wait on your prophecy. Those who teach, wait on your teaching. Those who exhort, wait on your exhortation. Those who give, wait on the time to give and when, you, when God wants you to release that seed into where. Wait on him. God wants us to live in this ongoing dependence on him. 
And when we stay in that place, it really will keep the burden off of you. I'm not saying in our humanity we won't feel stuff because we are hummus. We're human, okay, and we ain't God. And so we're going to feel stuff in our humanity that sometimes will make us kind of, you know, shake, make your knees wobble, hallelujah. But it won't shake your faith, hallelujah, if you're believing in him and you're depending on him and not your own resources and your own ability. And as we wait upon the Lord, God will show us great and mighty things. When God speaks to us, he's always thinking generationally. It's not just that God wants to do something great for you, but he wants to demonstrate himself among us so that there will be generations, hallelujah, that will raise up and worship God and magnify him and continue to carry the mantle of what God has entrusted us with. Because if you are operating in a vision that God has given you, it will outlive you. Hello? If it's yours, it might die with you. But if it's God's, it's going to live beyond you in some form or shape. You have poured yourself into someone and there's going to be a continuation of what God has birthed to you because he always thinks generationally and he gives you a vision bigger than yourself. What we do is we take our vision and we stitch it down and make it small enough to fit us so that we can get it all done. No, 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 no. Lord, give me today my daily bread and let me walk in obedience to what I'm supposed to do for the season that I'm here. And then God is in your hands because remember, I'm just a steward and the work really belongs to you. And I want to be a faithful steward. I want to be a good steward in the season that I'm here. But it is not mine. We should expect it to live beyond us. It might take on some new dimensions. It might look a little bit different than in your generation. Hello? <laughs> We got to be okay with that. Amen. Joshua was raised up by Moses, but he didn't do things exactly like Moses. But he got his part done. Can you say amen? amen. He learned a lot of things in Moses' tutelage and, and at Moses' feet and watching the awe and majesty of how God worked through Moses. But Joshua was his own person, and he had to be courageous and strong uh, in his own generation in order to, to, to take the children into the promised land and to cross the Jordan. And so God did things differently in, in, in Joshua than he did in Moses. And so we can't, we can't uh, control the generation that comes after us. But what we can do is we can impart some strong principles in them so that they will have a heart that's after God. And if they have a heart after God, then they will finish well the course that God has for them and what God has intended and what he has brought this into being for, it will be fulfilled uh, in, the, in the generation after us. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a shout of victory. Amen. <laughs> When we allow God to be God and we stay out of the way, then we can really, really enjoy the goodness and the glory and the grace that God has for our lives. I remember another time because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hard-headed. I know nobody else is like that. <laughs> you would have thought I'd learned my lesson 
when the when the Lord came and told me the sheep were not mine. Can anybody say human being? Amen. Probably about four years later, another very similar thing happened. I, there was a brother, he didn't go back to drinking uh, and using drugs, uh, but he had fallen in an area in his life, and so they told me, and I thought, oh, man, I'm so discouraged. And I was working through it with the Lord, you know, so I was, I was, I was cool. And... Uh, <laughs> And I remember they had a, a, a noon chapel service, and they wanted me to come and speak at the noon chapel service. And I was at home. It was my day off. And they call, and they say, hey, the preacher fell through. Can you come? It was like, oh, man. I said, man, I'm, it's my day off. They said, no, we need you to come and preach the noon chapel service. And I'm like, okay. And so I'm getting ready, and I'm getting in my car, and I'm like, I told Demetria, I said, okay, I got to go into work. She said, this is your day off. I said, yeah, I'm going in. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And so I'm on, the, I'm on the 710 freeway, and I'm driving, and I'm like having this argument with God. I'm like, God, you know I really don't feel like going down here. I said, first of all, you know, I've heard, you know, I got a call saying that this person has been struggling again and all this, and I got to go down here with a word to share with these people. And I said, you know, I don't, you know, don't want to be fake. I want to be real. You know, you know I want to be real. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I don't want to go down there and, you know, like put on a show. I want to be real. And I said, I'm real upset, and I'm real hurting. <laughs> and I was like, you know, so I just want to be real with it, you know, and I'm like, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. Again, I'm driving in the car, and it was almost, almost like Jesus came and sat in the passenger seat. I'm like, I could just feel his presence that close, and I'm like, oh, Lord. I said, I'm so glad you're here. Just touch me. Just touch me. Give me something. Because I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. And I, I had never heard this. It, it sounded almost like a quote. I don't know. Maybe it's written somewhere. I don't know. But he said to me, he said, don't. Um, don't barter the purpose, no, don't, don't sell the purposes of God on the altar of self-pity. Get down there to that place and I'll put a word in your mouth. I was like, wow. I just started crying. I was like, oh God, I'm a, I'm a terrible person. Oh, I'm, I'm just so horrible. Oh God, I'm awful. Oh Lord, I'm so sorry. Oh, please forgive me. Oh, God, no. And then all of a sudden, I remember back to four years ago. I'm like, not again. <laughs> I know that nobody's ever had to learn any lessons twice. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but I'm a little slow, so pray for the brother. Amen. <laughs> oh, I said, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't know I was in self-pity and being selfish. And I'm like, oh, forgive me for being selfish. So I got down there and I got into the chapel and I don't know if you ever tried to do a chapel service at one of the rescue missions when everybody comes in at noon and they're kind of like, they're not there, you know. <laughs> and so everybody's just kind of like, you know, guys, I mean, all over the place. <laughs> so I go up to the pulpit, I'm like, okay, Whew. challenging room today, amen. <laughs> Amen. And so 
I open the Bible and I just start reading Bible passages, just start reading from the Psalms, reading. All of a sudden I looked out and the guy that was like this was kind of, he sat up a little bit and then he sat up straight and then he was leaning in and he was paying attention. And then everybody in the room was paying. The glory of God came to play. I don't know what I shared about. I didn't, it was just, I just got up and talked. But I want you to know the power of God came in that place. I gave an altar call. Everybody in the place came down to the front, prayed for people. There was about 20 or 30 people that came into the program. Uh, one of the people that came in the program that day graduated and, and is still a staff person there today. I, I, and that was the day that I was going to give in to self-pity. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Glory to God. It's not about us. <laughs> it's about him. <laughs> and he is awesome. He's wonderful. He's majestic. He's glorious. And he has great and awesome things that he wants to reveal to us as we walk with him, as we serve him, as we follow him, as we love him. Hallelujah. As we obey him. Hallelujah. The Lord wants to fill us up with the power of his spirit and do great and awesome things through our lives. Don't lose the awe and wonder of who God is. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As high as the heavens are from the earth, so are his thoughts and his ways different from ours. And so the things that we would naturally give into, we need to check with God first to see if it's okay for you to have that pity party. Okay? Amen. Like, God, it's okay if I have this pity party today and we'll pick it up tomorrow? You know? <laughs> you might want to ask him about that before you just indulge. Amen. <laughs> Because he might have an assignment for you before the day is out <laughs> that he needs you to be dialed in. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> because we can get lost in ourselves so very easily. And I think Moses understood that. And, and that's why God gave him that marker of being the most humble man on the face of the earth. I mean, God doesn't tell lies. And so that's what he said about Moses. And so it must have been true. Um, and so... Because Moses, he, he kept going back and saying, you know, I really don't have this together. Um, I don't know how to lead these people. Um, they aggravate me sometimes. Uh, they murmur, they complain. Ooh. They do stuff like they shouldn't do. I, they offer strange fire before the Lord. and uh, God, these are your people. <laughs> Amen. God, these are your people. These are your people, God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> we'll be quick to give them back to God when they're acting up. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But when they're acting okay, then we want to take credit and go, these are my peoples. <laughs> Come and see my peoples. Come and see my choir. Come and hear my worship team. Come and hear my, no, no, no God, these are your people. <laughs> Amen. So when they on a good day or when they on a bad day, they yours, God. Amen. And I'm just going to stand here and I'm going to love on them. I'm going to give them the word. I'm going to give them the best example that I can. I'm going to pray for them. 
God, I'm going to give them the, the best word that I can possibly give them after I pray and seek you and know what you want to say. I'm going to see to it that they're disciple, they're brought up in the faith, God. Lord, I'm going to respond to their needs the best that I can within the purview of what I'm able to do. And then, Lord, I'm going to remember they're yours and they're not mine. Hallelujah. It's going to hurt me when they disappoint me. I'll probably hurt them when I disappoint them. Hello. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but you put us together, and so we're stuck with each other. Hallelujah. That's what Paul talks about in Ephesians, about that bond that God puts us in, the bond of fellowship, that we're bond servants. <laughs> it means God ties us to folks sometime that we don't want to be tied to. Hello? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes we get tied to folks and be like, Lord, where does this person come from? <laughs> you sure they're supposed to be up in here? He's like, yeah, they're yours. I, I'm trusting you with them. Amen. But the Apostle Paul says that we are to be gentle and be patient. We're to bear with one another in love and make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Hallelujah. That bond of peace is a, uh, is a Greek word, sundesmos, and it literally means to be tied like with an ankle chain around your leg and you're tied to somebody else. That's the picture that it paints. Amen. That when we are bound and bounded to one another, it's like it's got an ankle chain on you and an ankle chain on this brother over here. And you did not choose him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Might have a sense of humor or personality that is a little different than yours. Amen. But Paul said you have to bear with one another. I'm so glad he put it there and made it real. Because there's some folks you just got to put up with. Well, amen. And they got to put up with you too. Amen. That means we have to bear with one another. Amen. Everybody is not going to be all lovey-dovey. But they have a gift. They have a word. They have a, a, a reason that God has placed them in the body with you. And you better be careful because the word of release that you need for your life might come from that person. Hallelujah. Don't lose the awe and wonder of who God is. It's like, man, it's an awe and a wonder that that came out of this brother. Amen. Wow. Hallelujah. God, you are awesome in this place. You're awesome in this place, Abba Father. Lord, you are awesome in this place because I thought they were somewhere on another planet, but God, they brought a word of hope to my life that calls me to see you clearly once again. You are awesome in this place. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Sometimes when we sing those songs, we, we wax so spiritual that we're not connected to anything in the earthly realm. <laughs> But some of God's greatest awes and wonders come from some of the people that you least expected. Hello? <laughs> That's his awesome. 
power. That is his awesome majesty. Hallelujah. So go tell John the great things that you have seen and heard. Go tell the world the great things that you have seen and heard. Go tell everybody. Look what God can do. He can take broken people who are like those burned stones that Nehemiah had to rebuild the wall with. He can take broken people and, and he can blow the soot off those stones and he can cause those living stones to fit together and God can build the superstructure of what he calls the church and he can bring forth his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. The lame will walk, the blind will see, the dumb will talk, the deaf will hear. God is able to do miracles. He is awesome in this place. He is awesome in this place. Glory be to God. Don't pre-qualify the people that you will receive from. We pre-qualify people many times based on our own personal preferences. When we do that, we're literally walking in shoes that don't belong to us. But keep your heart open, pure. Blessed are the pure in your heart. For they shall see God. Ooh. Hallelujah. You want to see God? You want to have revelation? You want the Holy Spirit to work through you? That word see means to, to have inspiration and revelation and insight. If you want to have some insight on how to get out of some of the problems and the situations, then keep your heart pure. Hallelujah. Love fervently the people that God sends to you. Love passionately the ones who seem to be the most obstinate. Oh, but give them bowels of mercy and compassion. Hallelujah. And be patient and be gentle. Be kind. Be loving. Loving, hallelujah, and watch the wonder of what God will do. See, we tend to keep people close to us that we're comfortable with and we like their personality style. But sometimes God will put you with a personality style that's not the one that you like so that he can show you something. Amen. Glory to God. His brother shouting back here, he must really love God. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I love God too, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> but God will give you what you need in order to fulfill his purpose. Verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 4 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. God has apportioned grace, gifting, influence through every person that is under the influence of your leadership. Find the place of the grace and release them into it fully. And watch what God does in bringing the body together to edify itself in love. 
you won't have to take so many phone calls and make as many visits because somebody will have gotten there before you and already brought a word of hope, brought a word of reconciliation, brought a hand of healing, brought a word of encouragement. This is how the body works. This is the awe and the mystery and the majesty of who God is. Don't lose the sense of awe. Because as soon as we think that we got the tiger by the tail and we know what we're doing, that's when we're going to get into our own strength, our own understanding, and we will make decisions that put us on the outside of what the Lord has for us. But continue to be gentle and patient. Bear with one another in love. And make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And you notice he said unity of spirit and not unity of doctrine. It's the unity of the spirit. We have the essentials, the cross, the blood, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the way to salvation, by grace you are saved through faith, is not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. We have the essentials, and then there are doctrinal things that we see differently in different streams of the body of Christ. And so, instead of us trying to force everyone into a doctrinal submission, <laughs> let's create a bond of unity in the spirit. He never said that there would be a unity of doctrine. And so there may be some people with a little teaching, a little doctrine that's a little different from yours. It's okay. It doesn't make them not your brother. <laughs> Amen. They're still your brother. They're still your sister. Amen. And so we can be, we can have a, a, a unity of the spirit because we celebrate Jesus together. We celebrate our salvation. We celebrate our redemption. Hallelujah. We celebrate our reconciliation and our restoration to the Father. We're no longer sinners, but now we have been brought into the kingdom of his love. And, and now we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. Hallelujah. And so if you got a little different doctrine on something, I'm still going to hug you and love you and fellowship with you. You're my brother. You're my sister. Hallelujah. This is the awesome thing that God has done. Don't lose the awe and wonder of God and his miracles. Hallelujah. And I really believe that one of the awesome things that God wants to bring forth in the body of Christ in this season is that the church will begin to love one another and really walk in a unity of spirit. And that's what we see in this place. This is a representation of what the Lord, I believe, wants to bring to the body of Christ all over the world. We should not be um, separating ourselves based on some doctrinal thing, but have a unity of the spirit. That's the bond of peace and perfection that God wants to be seen on the body. And I'm so excited that God is moving in this way to unify the church. And this is really awesome. Hallelujah. Because in the past, folks from different streams of the church, they wouldn't even talk to each other. Don't go down. Them people are weird. Yeah. <laughs> I know nobody's ever heard any of that. but <laughs> Hello. Amen. 
Listen, you and my brother, you're my, we love each other. Amen. We believe in Jesus. We believe in the cross. This is something awesome that God has done, that we can have a nuance of doctrine that we don't see the same, and we can still be brothers in the Lord. Amen. Y'all, that's awesome. Say with me, this is awesome. God never let us lose the sight of your awe and your wonder. Go tell John the Baptist the things you have seen and heard. Amen. Those folks are not as strange as I thought they were. <laughs> Amen. They love Jesus too. He's a God of miracles. And I really believe that God wants to bring more and more of his miracles through his prophetic ministry in these days to come. And I pray that we will be available and that we will be open uh, to God doing some new things in us that we will not try to predict what he's going to do, but we will wait upon him and allow him to do what he does the way he does it. And if he says, sit on the mat, sit on the mat. Okay. If he says, pick up the mat, then pick up the mat. Amen. Hallelujah. And let us keep that sense of awe and wonder like Moses did. Thanks for tuning in today. We really appreciate you choosing the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, do it today. It's easy. Go to wherever you get your podcasts, click on our icon and hit subscribe. A new podcast filled with godly encouragement, spiritual instruction, and teaching comes out every Tuesday. We know there's a lot of podcasts out there, and we're so grateful that you chose our podcast today. Be encouraged.